0: From overworked fitness professionals to hospitality experts overnight, how Jason and Marissa Hamera have been able to go from pretty much one to 20 properties in just over a year. Let's get to it right now on the Fearless Investor podcast. If you are serious about building your short-term rental business to $10,000, $20,000, maybe even $30,000 a month or more, you have come to the right place. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast, where we teach you all things short-term rentals. The best guests, the best tools, the best strategies. There are so many investing paths out there. It can be seriously overwhelming to start out as a new investor, but take it from me, short-term rentals is the best and the quickest way to build your cash flow. So buckle up, listen in, and get ready to conquer the world of short-term rentals. Here we go. Calling all real estate investors, especially short-term rental investors, if you are looking to invest your money in owning a short-term rental, but you don't know where to buy, I have a hot tip for you. Kentucky and the Carolinas are a great place. And even with the rising popularity of short-term rentals, these markets continue to thrive. In fact, I'm looking to buy one in these areas as we speak. And I'm going to use Savvy Realty to help me with that transaction. Savvy Realty is an STR-specific real estate brokerage. Not only do they know the best places to buy in the areas that I already mentioned, but their hosts and co-hosts themselves of successful short-term rental properties, they know what it takes to turn a simple property into a big investment without wasting time or resources along the way. Whether you wanna flip a house, rent your own home, or turn a brand new property into a profitable business, Savvy Realty and their agents can help you figure out what type of STR investment is right for you. Tyler Kuhn is the founder of Savvy Realty and he and his team will consider everything from the overall look to the age of the home, the distance to transit hubs, and other major factors that you may not have considered. So if you want to make sure the return on your dollar is maximized as much as possible, then follow the link in the show notes to book your next one-on-one discovery call with Savvy Realty. Hey, fearless community, before we get the show started, I want to let you know that you now have the chance to get direct access to me in order to grow and strengthen your short-term rental business. How? The Six Figure Formula Membership. I'm the only one in this space offering this value pack membership for a stupid, stupid low price of $49 per month, and you get access to me? My podcast guests, you get to be a part of our amazing private community. You get our full A to Z business in a box STR kickstart course, and maybe most exciting, especially for me, you get exclusive discounts that we worked for months to get that no one else is getting out there. Price Labs, AirDNA, NoiseAware, HostAway, and so many more at your fingertips. So become a part of this 6FF movement. Get started today for just $49 a month at FearlessKyle.com forward slash 6FF. Hey guys, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You're listening to me, Kyle Stanley. If this is your first time jumping on the YouTube channel or the podcast, well, you're in a good place. You're getting some free information, but you also are going to want to make sure you subscribe to either one of those channels, whichever you're choosing to listen on. And do us a favor, leave us a review. If you're on the podcast, drop a comment. If you are on the YouTube channel, that would help us a ton. This is a interview that I did. My heart is close to on this one. So Jason and Marissa were actually some of my first students when it came to my one on one coaching and uh, just really enjoyed every single moment of working with these two. As you can tell when you listen to them, they're extremely positive. They have just a, a great outlook on life. They are new parents, just like myself. And just have loved to see all of their growth throughout the journey here, especially just with all the bumps and bruises and kind of rejection and pivots. And uh, a word that Marissa actually used in this podcast was just adapting and learning how to be able to make those adaptive transitions. And that's something that we're gonna talk about right now with Jason and Marissa, and definitely get ready to take some notes because there's also some really good stuff about team and culture and communication that we touch on. And of course, that's one of my favorite things to talk about. So let's get to it right now with Jason and Marissa Hamera. Hey, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You're listening to uh, this live on the Six Figure Formula Group, or maybe you're listening a couple of weeks later, and that's okay too. But the best way to get this is when we go live in our Six Figure Formula Group. Go check it out, fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. But I am super excited to have Marissa and Jason Hamera on this Interview today, this podcast, because man, you talk about proud dad moment. You know, these are two students of mine that um, have just done a lot in the last year. And it's no surprise to me, both are, you know, just awesome people and attracting a lot of great business because of that. But guys, thanks so much for jumping on from Phoenix. Appreciate you being on here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having us, Kyle. I was actually. Also like a, a proud student moment to be acting on the podcast I'm like oh my gosh, I watched other people beyond there and here I am.
0: <laughs> hey, you guys have done a lot in the last year, so uh recognition is deserved on this one. So uh, you know, be you know, speaking of doing a lot in the last year, I know you've built it up to double digits going on 20 units right now, and there's probably been a lot of learning curves, but is there something that stands out as a crazy or wild story amongst your guest
2: experiences so far in year one? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean every week, but you want to share the well.
2: I think the... I think it was our second or third guest at our our flagship house in Cottonwood, and which this was our first. Was, it was our first house. This is kind of what sparked us getting engaged with you, Kyle, and really kind of going through the the mastermind and and learning from you how to get everything going. We got this Cottonwood house. And we were super stoked about it, but knew nothing. And it was this very simple guest. It was two people that just wanted to book one night, and it was I think it was our first last minute booking. So like we woke up and someone's like, hey, can I check in today to your house? And we're brand new. We're like, yes, this is incredible. (laughs) We actually get someone right day of. So this girl goes, she checks in. um, We have the ring, security, everything. We're checking everything. It's like just her and her friend just rolling up. And what ends up happening is she wakes up the next day at like 7am. She's like, hey, any chance I can get a late checkout? And so we're like, Dang, not only is it a last minute booking, but now we're getting two nights out of this. This is great. And uh, I'm sorry, we, we're getting a late checkout. But then like 30 minutes later, it turns into she books another night. So it okay. was last minute, one night to two nights. And we're like, this is incredible. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Like, how, this making money how- right away, right? Yeah, This yeah, stuff this works. This works. <laughs> Next day, we get a call from our cleaner. And <laughs> she's like, there's some photos. And maybe I should send them to you. Maybe I shouldn't. Oh, but the short of it is, you know there was this, whatever happened here, it happened. And it was a party among parties. And we're like, it was two girls. Like, what was going on? Come to find out, um, we had to we had to get rid of all of our sheets. Uh, they oh, were no. stained in many different liquids and fluids. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, along with the mass amount of charcuterie, every single dish, blender, piece of kitchen equipment was used. Mind you, this is one night. Then the cleaner was like, oh, yeah. Oh, but the-,
1: the charcuterie, by the way, was in the bathtub. The also. charcuterie
2: was clogged. clogged it wasn't the tub.
1: in the kitchen.
2: Clogged the tub. Do we even oh, want to we- ask. Yeah. yeah. And then our, our cleaner was like, yeah. And then, you know, after the first bed was vibrating, I went and got my gloves because then the second bed was vibrating. Oh, no. We don't have vibrating beds. <laughs> oh and behold, uh, amateur sex party. That's a fun one.
1: But we also checked back <laughs> the ring because we're like, did we miss something? Did we miss some- two girls? Nope.
2: Why? Two was, girls, <laughs> yeah. two girls purple hair dye, charcuterie yeah. in the tub, wine all over the place. Yeah,
1: from the back of the house to the front. The Every house.
2: dish moved, and they actually didn't even stay the second night. Upon revisiting the ring, they had left oh, at like gosh. seven. I think the uh, the free bottle of wine that we leave for all of our guests was just the starter to what these two decided that they wanted to do. Yeah.
0: Should I assume that Airbnb or the guests reimburse you on everything?
1: You know what? We were so new at the time. We, we just laughed just, we just laughed and we were so scared to like try to get money back at that point because we didn't
2: want a bad review we didn't want
1: the bad review because it was yeah. new so we're like
2: we're just we're just gonna eat this right and it, it was just eating a little bit of extra cleaning fee there was no damages it was just dirty well yeah,
1: no, but then we had to get new sheets, all but, the oh, new like, sheets yeah yeah I'm assuming, no. if
0: you did, I'm assuming if you went through that today you'd probably be submitting a claim
1: i was just going to say the lesson has been learned in uh, early on er, Yeah, early on that we do need to submit a claim and we do need to get an invoice from the cleaner when she has to do extra work. Or honestly, at this point, I just make the extra the invoice on my own before submitting it to Airbnb. I don't ask the cleaner. I just make it and I'm like, we're going to pay you extra because you've been there longer today and I don't bother to wait for it from someone else so I can just submit it.
0: Good call. All right. Well, hey, before we get into your story, give us an overview. It's been what, about 14 months you've been in the business. What does your portfolio look like today? How many do you own? Do you arbitrage? Do you co-host? Give everyone just a brief overview on that.
1: Yeah. So we are mixed. We started with two that we owned. Actually, one, one of those was actually one that was run by someone else when we bought it. We quickly stepped in, took that over. Then we have 12 that are co-hosts, two that are arbitrage, two that are owned. Just signed another deal yesterday going
2: for... 17.
1: Yeah, 17. And then we're probably at the end of this week also going to have one to two more that we're signing there up.
2: You go.
0: There you go. So yeah. going on 20. And and I know this wasn't part of your story that you share, but I think the craziest thing that you've experienced was signing what like four deals while you're having your first child
1: oh yes we were in the labor and delivery room and jason is just fully closing a deal as i'm contracting so yeah
2: yeah yeah and and nico
1: has come to uh, with us to every single property at this point and right after the first week we were putting up new units mm-hmm. yeah
2: well, it's it started with we put up a unit literally two days before you went in. We ju- we got it done. Our first guest was coming in basically the day we were. We came a week early with our mm-hmm. son. And so we're like, oh, we have another week yeah. to do this. It's fine. Nope. Nope. He came early. So uh, while our first guest was checking into another new unit, we were going into the labor delivery room. We get a call from a prospect. Hey, is now a good time to chat? yeah why not it's totally cool i'm not doing anything i'm just i'm just waiting so it's it's good let's go that's that's funny all
0: right well let's back up the story you both are fitness professionals still fitness professionals and and there's a lot of in that industry right that you can just get completely sucked into just being in that industry and not thinking outside of that i i know this because i've been in that industry right And it's really admirable to me that you said, Hey, let's, let's do what we're passionate about with fitness, but also we need to build something that is sustainable and long-term and, you know, something that really can build some generational wealth. So what was that decision? What did that conversation, especially as a couple look like to say, Hey, we both have our own businesses and maybe even tell us a little bit about what you were doing there from an individual standpoint, Jason, what were you doing in fitness and Marissa, what were you doing and where did that evolve into going into STRs?
1: Yeah. We both actually were pretty much working together. We had our own client base that we were seeing people in New York City because that was kind of our main hub at the time. But we were seeing people in person one-on-one, teaching classes more so myself. And then we were also traveling the world and teaching for this fitness product. So we were doing a lot of travel and we were staying in a lot of different hotels. We were staying in a lot of Airbnbs. And we had always talked just from the travel perspective how cool would it be to offer people an experience like this how right. incredible would it be to give someone else a home that really feels like home when they're on a trip so we always had that idea in the back of our mind but once covid happened we had a place in phoenix that we were renting we thought let's leave new york go to our Phoenix home because COVID doesn't live in the heat and we're going to (laughs) just ride this thing out COVID free. We we didn't leave Arizona after that. We came out here and we took all of our clients online. But at the same time, we
2: were
1: were actually working more. We were making the most amount of money we had ever made also because we just couldn't go out and no one had anything to do. So they just wanted to train all day, which was fantastic. Right. But we're treating our hours for dollars and there's only so many hours in the day. And I think that the more we kept talking about that, the more we realized we needed to change it.
2: Yeah. And and Marissa left out one really critical point is, is the idea really came from our desire to serve others. And and we've really been become experts at treating the human body as a whole. So the mind, body, spirit, understanding the body as a physical integrated whole. And we realized very quickly, you couldn't just write a workout program for someone. You had to touch on diet. You had to touch on mindset. You had to talk about their livelihood, their environment was kind Mm -hmm. of a big thing because what we found is so many people's environments just wasn't conducive to optimal performance. And what was interesting was we then started the conversation about creating a wellness center. And that's still actually at the core of who we are is creating a 12 to 15 room escape. Right, kind of a, a canyon ranch meets savanna, which is out here meets, uh, you know, yoga retreat type of entity, and right. we always talked about having twelve to fifteen hotel rooms centered around fitness and wellness, where we would advertise, bring people to this wellness retreat. Mm-hmm. And then we started kind of putting a business plan together for that. And we just saw the magnitude that was required the millions of dollars in startup capital, the, mm. the you know, just the people that were involved. And we said, okay, well, since we can't do that out the gate, what's something smaller scale? Well, let's learn about hospitality. Right. And, you know, I took my skills as a barista at my college coffee <laughs> shop and I said, well, I know how to serve people. This is great. Let's go. Let's buy an Airbnb. And we started looking right as the market here in Phoenix started accelerating out of control. Mm-hmm. Rocket yeah. fuel poured all over it, just burning super yeah. hot. Uh, and we got priced out of a lot of areas that we wanted to be in. Sedona sure. the main one. And so that led us kind of to Cottonwood, which got us the, the first house. And it was a brand new construction. But it also gave us lead up time. So instead of just having a home and being like, holy crap, what do we do? we had a home and we had a year of construction where we can kind of get our eggs together yeah. right <laughs> and we could kind of begin to learn and that's what you know like we said Kyle that's what led us to you is we bought the home kind of impulsively but also strategically but then we also had all this time to kind of groom ourselves and understand a little bit more about yeah. how to do this thing
1: yeah and as we bought this home we thought we were going to close in 2021 and that just had become our goal. Like we are going to close on a house in 2021. We didn't own anything for ourselves at this point. We were still renting an apartment, but we wanted something that we were going to rent out and we would just keep renting our apartment. It was so, so cheap at the time. And we realized, okay, this construction thing's taking a lot longer than we thought. We still have borrowing power. Let's just buy something else. So we wound up buying something in the Phoenix market rather than up in Cottonwood so that we can close on it. Like the last minute of 2021 in December we yeah. closed and it came with a property manager. So we're like, great, let's learn a few things from this property manager mm-hmm. and then we can take it Big to our Cottonwood house. Yeah, we learned all the things we didn't want to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and
0: when you say property manager, we're talking about short-term rentals, correct?
1: Short-term rental, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. short-term rental, but he had a lot of rules in place to not make it as short-term rental as we see short-term rental today.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We realized what he was doing and we're like, well, we can apply this to the Cottonwood house. And then once I saw what you were doing, Kyle, I'm like, oh, I can expand out of two houses. You know, we were so used to confining ourselves and like really hitting kind of that ceiling in our mm. capacity to do things. Even though we spread ourselves in so many directions, we're like, oh, we only have so many hours. So we can only do this and we can only see X amount of clients. We'll only see have two houses. But then once they realized their systems and automations and things like that, once they started just watching some of your YouTube videos, we realized, oh, crap, this could be our kind of out of relying on our fitness industry business.
0: All right, listen up. If you are not using Price Labs, you are literally throwing money in the trash. Dynamic pricing is a must in our industry. If you don't know what that is, dynamic pricing is just a fancy term for supply and demand pricing. When demand is high, Price Labs will get you high price bookings. And when demand is low, it will fill up your calendar while the competition overprices themselves and leaves everything vacant. I was dumb in the beginning of my short-term rental journey. I thought I could do it all without Price Labs. So one day, I just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to try this thing out. And immediately, my income went up 15 to 20% on my listings. I really was kicking myself. I should have been using this from the beginning. So don't make the same mistake as me. Get started with your free 30-day trial at fearlesskyle.com forward slash Pricelabs. Or even better, how about getting 25% off your first six months as a thank you for being a part of the STR six-figure formula membership. That's right. Go to fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF to become a member and claim that discount today. So a lot of great things there. I just want to make sure I, I have the whole thing. Yeah correct here. So the whole like end goal, right? Is this 12 to 15 room retreat, but the problem was money, right? Like getting all that up and getting it ready to go. So what you said instead was, well, let's learn a little bit about what it will take eventually one day to run something like that. And Airbnb, since we've stayed in some of them, seems like a great way. Let's go buy a house in Phoenix and then followed by buying a house in Cottonwood. But in your mind, it was kind of just, hey, we're just going to do these two properties because that's our capacity. But then after seeing how other people like myself were doing it and getting to a lot more properties, you realized there was a much bigger vision of being able to take on a big portfolio and grow this thing to a a sizable income. Is that a a good summary of that? That's it. That's perfect. Yeah. So now like, the question for me is what was that aha moment that made you realize, hey, I can go from this two houses mindset to you know, now you're at almost 20 and potentially even beyond. What would you like come back to a moment when you heard something or saw something that you're just like, oh, my gosh, we're thinking too small.
2: So in the fitness space, it's all about building trust, right? There's there's tons of people out there and it is a it is a marketable industry where you have to get people to buy into you. And skill and knowledge can only take you so far. You know, we can have the best biomechanical knowledge in the world, but if we can't get someone else to buy into us, it becomes irrelevant. So at the two properties, it was kind of like we had all of this knowledge, and, you know, we, we thought we had everything kind of figured out, but we didn't have anyone to really, we hadn't really tried to get anyone to trust us. And it was, it was a phone call we had with actually our mortgage broker, the gal who helped us secure our two loans for our the properties that we own, she just happened to say, you guys, you know, you're talking a lot about Airbnb and you sound like you know what you're talking about. I have no clue what I'm doing. Would you mind just running mine? Mm. And it was that moment similar to when we had, you know, when I had picked up my first client where I'm like, wow, I actually kind of know what I'm doing yeah. here. That someone actually gave me money to, to train them in a, in a very right? specific way. It was that moment with our mortgage broker that we're like, we can actually maybe do this.
1: Yeah, because also it was a co-hosting deal. And our biggest block mindset wise was that we had to buy these homes. Mm. And I'm really glad we started with the homes that we bought. And eventually we we do want to buy more. But it was the capital thing that just made us think we can only do two. And that's it. And then once I heard you talk about arbitrage, for example, like, oh, wow, we can we can actually use the capital that we have and have a home that's still in really our control. And wow, we can, we can do this. And then we got a co-hosting deal really shortly after from our mortgage broker, which was really cool. And
2: It just, was two months after we closed. We yeah. closed in March. By May, we had this co-host going and we had three. And nice. that's kind of, I think, when we were like, it was really funny because Marissa you know, was pregnant and did not sleep at all she basically was like, I just everything she oh, needed to do true. was all about making sure that this person was taken care of. She's like, screw our houses, they're fine, whatever. We <laughs> care. Yeah, but yeah. but her mindset, and I think this is the hospitality drive in both of us is that we care about the well being of others. And it was I think it was that that then after that one, we began to kind of harness and refine that and, and find the words and the language and, and what we could do to get people to trust us. And then, of course, trust ourselves that we actually yeah. could handle it by seeing the success that uh, with this first one, that we we looked for our first arbitrage, and then we found our first arbitrage in August. So from mid-August, we just kind of ran three units. In August, we I started kind of you know listening to what you said, started reaching out to individual landowners, start all these different pitches, and at that point. Mind you, you know, it's not the fairy tale that you think about. I had been told no about a hundred times, right? I had been trying all summer to get arbitrages and it's just no, 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 no. Until finally found a couple that was willing to listen. We did the thing. We got the arbitrage and then we're like, oh wow, now we have something of everything. Now we get to see how it all works. And then we blacked out and we woke up (laughs) and we had almost 20 properties and that all basically snowballed from Essentially, October, November of last year, and yeah, now
1: it really picked up. Then,
2: well, and I want to focus on a couple struggles that I I
0: know about. Not just this idea of man, we got rejected a bunch of times, but you also and correct me if I'm wrong. You guys had also had a really strong focus on Cottonwood, and we're fu- and we're hitting some walls there. And eventually decided, hey, we live in Phoenix, let's try Phoenix out. So talk about you know both of those struggles if you can and what were some of those turning points what made those start to actually work what got you past the frustration and uh, of course the the fear of wondering like hey are we i'm sure there's got to be some moments there when you're just like getting rejected 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 or hitting these walls that you're like are we doing the right thing
1: yeah definitely so we had the phoenix property and that was being run by our property manager and we just thought let the property manager run this Phoenix one because we don't actually want to tap into this market because once we got Cottonwood and we realized how well Cottonwood was booking out because that was the only one we really had control over, we just thought, let's keep rolling with this area because we love it so much. We know it's a tourist destination. Sedona's right there. And initially, like Jason said, we really wanted Sedona, but we just got priced out like crazy. And our hearts were just Set in that area because we knew like we can give people a great experience there, and I don't think we realized actually the amount of people that were traveling to Phoenix at the time. And I think it's i am picked up a bunch now, but we just had our hearts set there, and we like Jason said, we were just getting rejected so many no's there. And I just remember saying to you like you know I'm hearing a lot of no, I'm hearing a lot of no, and we started building a little bit of a team in Cottonwood, and you were like well. What if you, you know, focused on Phoenix? And I remember just thinking to myself, like, but that's just not the plan. Like, that's mm. just kind of crazy. That's not what we want to do. But maybe he's right. And at the same time, I had a lot of fear because I realized, okay, this is now going to take two teams and I'm mm. just trying to figure out one and we just have one cleaner and, and yeah. she's great and I can't even imagine finding someone else. So that was the biggest, I think, the biggest struggle and, and fear for us to go to where we were was now we need another team and now we um, are going to have to build this team for this one property that we have in Cottonwood as well and not give her any more work. So we had a lot of really just apprehension about, are we going to be able to run two teams? But running the two teams is the only way that we've been able to expand to the capacity that we really have. Yeah,
2: we're at three now. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Now we're at three teams. Talk Um,
2: about just the
0: building of those teams. Was it harder than you thought it would be? Who's on the team? Just kind of take me through what that experience was like. Not just building a team, but like the overwhelming feeling of, oh, I got to build
2: three teams. So out the gate, Marissa was like very heavily involved in the team's creation, mostly because in full disclosure, I wasn't a big believer. I was kind of like, ah, marissa has got her Airbnb thing. She looks, yeah. she's making money. It was like, really
1: funny. Jason was like, really cute. not very involved. He's like, right. you follow your passion, honey. Yeah, like, I'm like, you do that thing. I'm gonna
2: go throw 500 pounds around and like <laughs> jack my clients up. Like, this is this is my life. And then as I saw it really start to to shift, I, I became more and more interested both from the business opportunity, but also from what, exactly what you said, Kyle, which is the team's creation, my fitness career had me more traditional when I started. So I've actually hired and fired hundreds of trainers, I built teams all across the country, multimillion dollar personal training programs, in some of the top top producing clubs in the country. And it is both an exhilaration when you succeed, but it is also like it is in the thoroughs of hell when you fail. And, you know, I took that experience that I had from management and I said, well, okay, well, we have one cleaner and that's really it. That was how we started. What needs to happen to grow and expand? So we kind of started planting the seeds with her like, hey, listen, we are growing in Phoenix. We're trying to grow up here in in the Cottonwood Sedona area. We'd like you single cleaner to, to have the opportunity to kind of step up your game if you wanted to. It was that conversation that everything changed within two months. She actually quit. Because,
1: right after I delivered.
2: Yeah, yeah. Literally, she waited till Marissa had a baby, and then was like, "For the past two months, I've just been agonizing over this." Yeah. I'm like, "Wow, okay." So all people across all industries function the same. Um, <laughs> they get scared of opportunity, and you know their true colors come out. So it immediately put us on the defense, and realizing that the most important resource is the human resource, but at the same time, this, the most scarce, valuable resource is the human resource, and. With her leaving, she actually recommended to us the person that is now our cleaning manager, probably stepping oh. up into an operations role. It was a, a friend of hers who was local in town, who was just kind of getting a start, who really didn't have much direction. And it was this person that we were so fortunate to get because it was raw material that we were able to mold. And so for us, the the construction element starts with finding raw gold that we begin to refine mm-hmm. and then allowing that gold to attract other precious resources. And so what has happened since then, we've probably been through about 15 cleaners, both combinations of companies, individuals, people who didn't work out, people who came in and left a few days later. And what we found is that each and every person that leaves, leaves us with a a smidgen of what can we do better? Our communication is on point. Our expectations are set out the gate. People just yes you to death. And Mm -hmm. they do that because they see the opportunity of, wow, 16 units. I know what I can get paid per unit. It's going to be dollar signs. And then when they get that critical feedback from our cleaning manager through our Skype channels, they say, well, I didn't expect you to yell at me for not cleaning. And it's like, (laughs) well, (laughs) if you didn't do my job, doesn't mean you have to yell. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so that's, you know, from the team construction, we're at this point now, we we are constantly hired. We're constantly putting people in the hopper and we're forward looking. So we're planting the seeds and we're watering the soil. And even right now, we refuse to have more than three units under one specific cleaner. So even though we have a team in Phoenix and a team in Sedona, Cottonwood, and a team in Santan, which are three areas.
1: And Flagstaff, actually. And
2: Flagstaff, actually. So four. Each of those goes three deep, meaning that we have three backups for every single property all managed and coordinated under this, this specific cleaning manager who we're now looking to replace to elevate her and continue to bring more people in. Mm. As we're doing that, we're bringing in quality control people that are then also kind of acting as quasi cleaners. And we just we're we're getting everyone to kind of be Renaissance people where their specific role is defined as one and we strengthen that. But we're also making sure they're adaptive and able to kind of step into other roles should it be called on in the event that we have a hole in a gap, which is The biggest struggle we had in that right when we had our kid, right when we gained our most amount of properties is when we literally had the crappiest cleaners with us that were quitting, that were stealing, that were losing stuff, Mm -hmm. that were not showing up. All of it happened. And so we had to adapt and pivot, which meant showing up to our own units, which meant cleaning personally to kind of bridge those gaps, but then also going out there and looking for people that were less cleaner and more Yeah, we actually got people who are less cleaners and more just driven people that are looking yeah. for opportunity to grow. And I think that's the most important takeaway from where we're at now is we're looking for motivated people, yeah. not motivated cleaners.
0: That's so good. And uh, by the way, seeing the questions popping up here in the Six Figure Formula group, we're going to stay on a little bit later or a little bit afterward to to keep you both on and, and answer some of these questions. But so many good things there. And I think the key takeaway for me is a, like you didn't find the perfect person out of the gate. In fact, you found someone who was a lot of talk and when it came to the action, not so much, but you didn't let that get you down. You just said, okay, we got to go find someone that is. And what you adjusted to was rather than looking for the best cleaner, just looking for the best people who are driven and ready to grow. Very similar to, to what I found in my business that made this thing a lot simpler. And I think everyone's looking for that you know, how do I find cleaners? What's the website you use and what's the training process you do? And at the end of the day, it's about getting your name out there. It's about talking to people. It's about asking for referrals until you find that driven, motivated person that you can see. And as you've seen, hey, you're a great cleaner. Now let's bring you up to cleaning manager. You're a great cleaning manager. Now let's talk about maybe replacing some of our day-to-day tasks and giving you more admin role and even running the company. So, I love all of that, and I think that makes it right a little bit less overwhelming for people. To, it's The biggest thing I hear is, hey, there's just not good people out there to hire. And yeah, if you're looking for like the COO to come in and run your business right away, I don't think you're necessarily looking in the right place because those people are tough to find. But man, if you can find a great cleaner who's driven, willing to work, and just continue to graduate them in your business like you guys are doing, that's, I can feel that. I can touch that. That's something that I think anyone here listening can do. What though from, like you said, you had to go and, and clean some of those places because these people fell off the, off the yeah. wagon. When you look back at that situation, are there any red flags or any things that you're like, hey, we could have been doing this so that we weren't the ones that all of this weight was left on once this person left?
1: Yeah, I think, honestly, babysitting, we just try to really trust and think everyone is just going to perform magically the way that we want them to. Mm. But we realize even though there is an automation that goes out and tells people when things are happening, they do need to be babysat. And also, you know what, I guess really the nicer term would be like they need to feel supported and they need to feel comforted and really feel like they're welcomed into your team. So really just reminding, like sending out on Sunday, hey, here's your schedule for the week. Something could come in, but this is your schedule as of now. And then now we have our cleaning manager, you know, doing that and updating schedules and just manually messaging them just repetitively. Mm -hmm. And actually creating this Skype channel has put all of our cleaners and people in one place where they can actually talk to each other too. And I think that that's created like camaraderie around oh, this is an actual company and I'm not just going to clean a house.
2: Yeah. And and so to, to answer your question a little bit more clearly, we should have done that sooner. Oh, yeah. I think, I think what ended up happening is in our minds, we said we had to hit 12 properties before we can bring on a cleaning manager. When in reality, we could have brought on a cleaning manager at four or five properties and it, they don't need this. Again, it's not that you're bringing someone on that is thinking managerial mindset. So sort the of thinking dollar signs, but it's someone who's motivated to have responsibility and grow mm-hmm. and develop. And, you know, aside from the babysitting thought process, it was more about we put people in and instead of having that cleaning manager to organize and rally them, it was on us. And in trying to get new places set up, we didn't support them yeah. as much as we could have. Yeah. And it was it was our fault to to have that extra person there. We had that person. We had our cleaning manager in the loop at that point. We just didn't define it and we didn't push it. We kept kind of hinting it's going to happen. And we should have pulled the trigger earlier, yeah. taken a little bit more of a financial risk with upping her pay a little bit more. And that would have probably prevented us from then being in units, having to deal with all of it because we would have had that set sooner.
0: Yeah, and you originally said babysitting. I'm glad that you changed that wording because I don't think what you're talking about is babysitting. I think you're talking about great communication, you're talking about outsourcing the things that are, you know, heavy on your plate. And a big thing I heard too is culture, right? Like mm-hmm. when someone feels supported, they feel like they're a part of something rather than just being given a job to go do. So, I think all those things are huge takeaways. So, you know, we're we're getting towards the end here, but I do want to just ask you both individually You know, what are some of the key skills or key traits that you take from what you've done in the fitness industry that you've applied now into the hospitality side of things?
1: Being adaptive is really the the biggest one. And, you know, whenever I go into a session with a client, I never know what I'm actually gonna do with them until I until I see them and and actually like listen to their needs and their wants and really see how their body's moving. I don't go in ever with a plan. I just come on on the spot. Same thing with hospitality and with people. You can never exactly anticipate everything they're going to need. You can never fully guess it. You have some ideas, but people also have some strange requests.
2: Like the one time when someone said that they're, that our dish towels didn't fit their hand and we got a four-star review. That was a fun one. <laughs> My gosh.
1: It, it did happen. <laughs> but, but being adaptive in the way that you're communicating with your guests and not always having exactly the set answer. It's like, yeah. this is the set. The answer is going to come based on how we are in terms yeah. of a company and how we want to be hospitable to people, but also the same in our adaptivity in just our business in Phoenix as we're growing. We're growing, but the Phoenix market is growing and everyone's wow. you know freaking out over here too. We just keep having to change our plan and, and there's no exact set plan. We just have to keep rolling with what we got and just be able to be adaptive to the market.
0: Mm, I like it a lot. So if anyone here is thinking about investing in Phoenix or Flagstaff, Sedona, Cottonwood, um, and they need some help, where can they reach the both of you?
1: Oh, we would love to talk.
2: We're on Google now.
1: We are on Google, which hey,
2: there you go. big,
1: big tip, we've gotten like three calls in the past week from people. Yeah. just nice. wanting to know about how we can run their properties. So cool. it really worked, but you can reach out to us, Homes at gmail.com. It's H-A-M-E-R-A Homes H-O-M-E-S at gmail.com or find us on Instagram. It's just both of our names, Marissa Hamera and Jason Hamera.
0: Perfect. And uh, Jason, what's next for you guys? Is it that 14 to 15 room retreat is that still the, the end goal or what's the next step
2: yeah so it's that is a goal I wouldn't say it's end it's somewhere down the storyline right now we are we're all in so we are looking to expand an owner operator model so we're looking at creative ways to get some financing to expand the number of homes that we own our target for this year is 35 properties so right. we're probably, hopefully by the end of the month, getting close to 20. So we got to figure out a way to get 15 more under our belt. For the end of the year, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 80. Once we're running there, then we can actually be self-sustaining and use our capital to begin the hotel-esque model. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't pick up a bed and breakfast in between or a small motel or something, multifamily units and duplexes to kind of get ourselves a little bit closer to that. How does it work with multiple rooms under one roof? But ultimately, yeah, 12 to 15 rooms. I would say within the next five years, you could be. You can
1: come and stay. You
2: can come and stay. (laughs) In the next five years, you can come and stay. We'll have that up and operating. But that's just, again, that's just one one chapter in the story. There you go.
0: All right. Well, Jason and Marissa Hamera, super proud of both of you. Excited for where this is going. We're going to keep you now in the Six Figure Formula Group live to answer a bunch of questions that are coming up. For those of you that are watching or listening on recording, we will see you next time.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Thank Thank you. you. All right. As usual, if you're watching on YouTube, then show notes are down below. If you're listening on the podcast, then you're right there at the show notes and you can go to their website, Hamera Homes, H-A-M-E-R-A com. If you want to stay at their place, if you want them to manage one of your rentals, they are your go-to in the Phoenix and greater Phoenix, Arizona area. That's going to do it right now for the Fearless Investor Podcast. We're helping you to conquer the world of short-term rentals. We'll see you next time. Hey, Fearless Investor community, thanks again for listening to this episode of The Fearless Investor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And for more free content, check out my YouTube channel, also called The Fearless Investor, and our website, www.fearlesskyle.com. Until next time, keep on conquering the world of short-term rentals.